Good morning. Well, this morning I want us to begin by considering this question. When you receive Christ, what do you get? Some might say we get heaven, or some might say we forget we get forgiveness of sins, um, or some might say we get joy and peace. And yes, all that is true. Amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, but heaven is to be with God, and our sins are removed so that we can stand faultless before God, and joy and peace come from God and from God's Spirit. So ultimately, what we get when we receive Christ is God. Christ came into the world so that we might have God. God Himself is the package, the treasure, the ultimate gift, and God came to us in Jesus. Jesus was born to bring God to us and us to God. God is what we get because God is what we desperately need. The single biggest human problem is to be without God, and that was our condition. Paul said we were alone and without God in the world. This alienation from God began soon after creation. Adam sinned, and we all became sinners. Sin brought darkness and misery and a vast chasm of separation from God. And that is why life is so messed up. We were made for God, and everything is bent out of shape without God. This break in relationship with God not only left us exposed to God's wrath, it created a present experience of spiritual loneliness, emptiness, and restlessness. We want something more than what we have. We want to feel better than we feel. We long for a more perfect and happier life. Augustine said essentially the same thing when he said, you made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it finds its rest in you. God Himself is what we needed. God Himself is what we need, and God came to us in Jesus. And that is what makes this Scripture so rich, uh, so astoundingly wonderful. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh, and dwelt among us. Jesus was God, taking on human flesh and living among us. But why does John call Jesus the Word? Why not just say Jesus was with God and Jesus was God? Because he is communicating something profound about Jesus by calling Him the Word. The Greek word is logos, to the Greeks, logos meant the mind or the intelligence behind the universe. Logos does not mean an individual word or individual words, such as I'm using to speak to you this morning. It means a complete revelation or a total message. 
So Jesus did not come just speaking words. He was the word. He was the message. He himself was the message. He himself was the revelation. He was God manifesting himself to us, which is what verse 18 tells us. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. That's, of course, talking about Jesus. No one's ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. Jesus has made him known. Other translations say he has revealed God to us. King James says he has declared him. New American Standard, or he has explained him. Another version says he has expounded him. I like that. Jesus has expounded God to us. Jesus has presented and explained God to us in the fullest way. He himself said, the one who has seen me has seen the Father. This is one of the most profound truths, and actually I'm going to correct myself. I believe this is the most profound truth of human history. We would never know God or who He is or what God is like except in a very limited way without Jesus. Jesus expounds God. He reveals God. And we would never know much about ourselves or life without it being revealed to us. We are born into this life. At a certain age, we become aware that we are an individual human being, we become aware that we're alive and that we have thoughts and feelings and desires. Uh, We may know that we are not as we should be and become aware that the world is not as it should be, but we do not know where we came from, why we are here, or the solution to our longings. People have tried to figure out life and its meaning through philosophy, education, and man-made religions. But all of that is merely speculation. We are all in the dark unless someone comes from outside this world, unless someone comes outside our human experience and explains the whole thing to us. God did that in Jesus. Jesus was born into the world and revealed God to us. He explained life to us. We find that we were created by God, but that we were broken by sin and were far from God, and yet as sinners, God loved us and sent His Son into the world so that we might know Him and ultimately become the children of God. Now, Jesus can only reveal God and God's plan and the truth about ourselves Because he is God. If Jesus was anything less than God, we are all still in the dark. If Jesus was not God coming to us, uh, the manger scene, the wise men, the shepherds in the field are just a quaint, ancient, uh, sentimental story. If Jesus did not come to us as God, all the celebrations of his birth are just nonsense. So John goes to great lengths to confirm Jesus Christ's deity. 
Verse 1, in the beginning was the Word. Before the heavens and the earth were made, Jesus was already there. This could never be said about any mere human being. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit were there in the beginning. They were already there in the beginning when God created the heavens and the earth. Jesus himself said, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. Of course, Alpha is the first letter of the Greek alphabet, Omega the last. That is equivalent to saying, I have always existed and I always will exist. The Lord God said the same thing in Isaiah 44, 6. Thus says the Lord, I am the first and the last. Jesus could say the same thing too because he was God. Which, which is what verse 1 explicitly tells us. He was with God and he was God. He did not merely point the way to God. He was not merely a special man chosen by God. He was God. Colossians 2.9, Paul said, For in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. And Jesus knew it. John tells us that Jesus knew that he had come from God and was going back to God. I find that to be a remarkable statement. That in, into our world has come someone who came from God and then was going back to God. And Jesus knew that. He was, Jesus was fully aware of his eternal past he was fully aware that he had been with the Father and that he had come to us from God. And after living with us or living among us, he knew he was going back to God. No one else could ever say that. Uh, Muhammad and Buddha did not live in eternity past with God. Muhammad and Buddha did not come from God or go back to God. They were not God. They did not create the world, but Jesus did. Verse 3, all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Colossians 1.16, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities all things were created through him and for him. Is this your Jesus? Is your Jesus that great? Is your Jesus creator, Lord, and God? You know, what comes to your mind when you think of Jesus really matters. A lot of people use the word Jesus, but they mean something and somebody much different by it than what and who is revealed, in, certainly in this passage and all throughout Scripture. When Jesus said, truly, I am with you to the end of the age, or he said, I am with you and I will never leave you or forsake you, who is saying that? Is that merely some good man who could somehow work miracles? 
or is it the one who made heaven and earth, the one who made angels and human beings, things in heaven that we know nothing about, and of course all the things on earth that we see, kings and kingdoms. Jesus made that all. Again, John uses this to demonstrate the deity of Christ and that he was fully God because he was creator and nothing was made without him. But Jesus did not only reveal or manifest God to us, he brought the life of God to us. Verse 4, in him was life and that life was the light of men. Jesus came with the life that we lacked and desperately needed. As Henry Scogel, the Puritan, said almost 400 years ago, Christianity is the life of God in the soul of man. That's, that's the essence of what it means to be a Christian. It's to have God. We are like dead men walking without the life of God. We are, we are dead inside spiritually. Jesus said, I came that you might have life. Christianity is life. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones said, what it really means to be a Christian is that we have a well of water springing up within us to eternal life. It is something living. It is something bubbling up within too often Christianity is presented as mainly avoiding certain activities and doing certain activities, a, a list of do's and don'ts. And, and of course, we do live differently, but it's because Jesus gives us life. And this life, John said, was the light of men. The life of Jesus shined brightly for all men. This does not mean that all have the light or will follow the light, but he is the light for all. There is no other light but Jesus. There is no other truth but Jesus. There is no other way but Jesus. And Jesus said, I am the light of the world, and the one who follows me will not live in darkness. Darkness is the word that the Bible uses again and again to describe the human condition. Part of this darkness is willful spiritual ignorance. In Ephesians 4.18, Paul said, unbelievers are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. If Jesus is the truth, and all that he said and all that he revealed about himself and the Father and about life is the truth, then to ignore him or to refuse him is to remain completely in the dark. And the Bible says that the whole world lies in darkness. They lie in a place of spiritual ignorance and blindness due to the hardening of their hearts. Darkness also means moral depravity. Uh, Paul called uh, bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, malice, sexual immorality, greed, obscenity, coarse jesting. He called all of that the fruitful deeds 
of darkness. The world lives in that kind of darkness. It lives in those things. It lives in moral darkness. The Bible also uses darkness to refer to the misery and gloom of human beings living without God. Isaiah 9 verses 1 and 2 which just precedes a very familiar passage that we use at Christmas time about how his name is Wonderful, Counselor, Prince of Peace, Almighty God, all of that. In Isaiah 9, 1 and 2 says, There will be no more gloom for those who are in distress, but he will honor Galilee of the nations and the people walking in darkness will see a great light, and that light, of course, is Jesus, shining into the gloom of humanity, people living without God. But Jesus said, the one who follows me will not live in darkness. People gravitate to all kinds of programs to fix their pain and sadness, their moral failures, and their messed up or broken lives. But that's what Jesus does for you. Jesus alone can do that. You will not walk in darkness if you follow Jesus. If a person is living in dark things, guess what? The problem is not following Jesus. You really do not need to dig for some other diagnosis. The one who follows Jesus will not live or walk in the darkness. Verse 5 the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it or extinguish it. John assures us that no amount of rejection of Jesus can put out the light of Jesus. The light of Jesus cannot be overcome or extinguished. The darkness of this world is very dark, and people are very committed to their darkness. John said, light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil and for fear that their evil deeds would be exposed. The world is very committed to darkness. But John assures us that even if seemingly only a handful follow Jesus, Jesus is still the light of the world and nothing can put out that light. No amount of darkness can put out the light of Jesus. Verse 9, the true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Verse 10, he was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. So, comprehend this or understand this. Think about this. Jesus, the true light, he was with God. He was God. He came into this world. He stepped out of eternity into this world with the true knowledge of God, true revelation of God, true solutions for us. He came as light into the world. He was here. He was right here on this planet. He was in this world which he himself created, and yet the world refused 
to recognize him. The world did not know him. Every person who's ever lived owes their very existence to Jesus Christ. And yet they, in a sense, thumb their nose at Christ or ignore him, neglect him. But surely, it seems, his own people, the Jewish people, would receive him. Uh, Their prophets had proclaimed him. Uh, John the Baptist prepared the way for him. And yet, John tells us here that, for the most part, even his own people didn't receive him. And it still remains the same today. Most do not receive him as Savior and Lord. Many today believe that they can have God or heaven without Jesus. They believe if they are just sincere in whatever they believe or sincere in whatever religion or religious leader or founder they follow, they will find God. But Jesus said, whoever rejects me rejects him who sent me. There is no way to have God without Jesus Christ. We We get God. We get God by receiving and believing, placing our faith and confidence in the name of Jesus. Verse 12, but to all who did receive him, who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. This is one of the most amazing statements in the Bible. And you know, if you've, if you've been dull of hearing up to this point or what I've said hasn't made sense, I invite you to wake up and listen. Again, this is one of the most amazing statements in the Bible. It should amaze us. It should shock us and astound us. Mere human beings, people like us, are given the right to become children of God. John pinpointed the greatest gospel blessing right here. The goal of receiving Jesus Christ is to become children of God. Jesus was was born. He became flesh. He lived among us and he died for us so that we might belong to God in the most affectionate, loving, intimate relationship as his children, and with him as our father. Galatians 4.4, Paul said, God sent his son so that we might receive adoption as sons. Again, there's the goal of the gospel, to unite us with God, to bring God to us and us to God, him as our father, we as his children in this wonderful new relationship. John does not merely say that we are called the children of God. We are, but he does not say we merely are called the children of God. We actually become the children of God. We are given the right to become the children of God. Something happens to us. Child of God is not just a title where we remain the same as we were, but we get a new title. It is not just a title or even an identity which we tell ourselves. We actually are born into God's family. 
We share his likeness. Peter said that we become partakers of his divine nature. In, in verse 14, John said, this is not a human thing at all. This, this isn't a result of the work of flesh and blood or anything man could ever do. We are born of God. God enters into us by His Spirit so that our hearts are attached to Him as a child to His Father. Galatians 4, 6, because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts crying, Abba, Father. We have the heartbeat of sons. We become God's children. That's who we are. It's who we really are. Our hearts cry out to Him with longing and love because of this new life. Our hearts cry, Abba, Father, dear, Father, because we have become the children of God. Something has happened to us. We are given the right to many privileges as God's children. We have uh, a privileged status as God's children. Uh, again, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones said, we are given the rank of sons of God. It's kind of an interesting word, but it, it's a, it's, it communicates something. And there is, there is no one with higher rank than the children of God in the entire universe. It's the most privileged position in heaven and earth. And in the end, it is even higher and better and greater than being an angel. God treats us as sons, not slaves. We are given intimacy and a, and a, a freedom with God that only children can have with their Heavenly Father. We have an inheritance of unbelievable wealth coming to us. We have it. Guaranteed, we haven't seen it all, we haven't experienced it all yet, but we have it now, it's, and it's coming to us. It's reserved in heaven for us now. Paul said, if we are children, then we are heirs. No wonder that John, who wrote the book of John, also said in 1 John, no wonder he said, Behold, what manner of love the Father has given to us that we should be called the children of God, and that is what we are. We're called that because we are that. Behold, what kind of love is this? What kind of astounding, otherworldly, amazing love is this? That we should be called the children of God, and that is what we are, 1 John 3, 1. And that is what we, what we are now. This, this is not, uh, it has consequences for the future, amazing consequences for the future. Uh, we're going to be revealed with Christ in glory because we are sons, but, but, it, but that is what we are now. This is a blessing that we have now from receiving and believing in Jesus. Whoever believes in Him, whoever receives Him, is given the right 
to become the children of God. We are not waiting for some other great thing to happen to us in life. It has already happened. We have become the children of God. We're not waiting for our ship to come in. We're not waiting for life to turn around or get better all of a sudden. Nothing greater, nothing better could ever happen to us than to become the children of God. And that is what we are. We, we have God. And that's the goal of salvation. What we get when we become a Christian, the main thing we get when we become a Christian is God. We have God. He is our Father. And we are His children. We belong to God and He belongs to us. We may be small or feel small or weak. We may be mistreated. We may be unknown. Life may be full of trials and pain, but we are the children of God. And the question is, are, are you content and happy with that? If you are, that is evidence that you are indeed his child. You know, this kind of talk doesn't mean anything to the world, but it means everything to us. This is our joy, our delight. It's our, it's our blessing. We understand that we are um, incredibly blessed people. Behold, what, what kind of... And we're loved. What kind of love is this? That we should become the children of God. So this is the reward of receiving Christ. And this is ultimately why Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea 2,000 years ago that we might become the children of God. Let's pray. Father, we uh, thank you for this wonderful reality of the new birth and of being born into your family.